0: hey welcome back to week two of our brand new teaching series fixer-upper if it's your first time with us we'd love to connect with you the best way for us to do that is if you head over to churchexperience.tv connect it's also a great place to go at any point during today's service if you have any questions comments prayer requests love to hear from you love to get back to you and of course we love to be praying for you well i'm so excited for the service today let's jump right into it let's all stand let's sing some songs to our heavenly father Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Church Experience. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's service. Head over to churchexperience.tv connect. Bring your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. Love to hear from you. Love to get back to you. And of course, we'd love to be praying for you. If you want some more Church Experience content throughout your week, follow us on our social media platforms, our Facebook, our Instagram. Head over to our Church Experience website as well as download the CE app. We hope to see each and every one of you for week three of Fixer Upper, but until then, we'll see you.
1: I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like But I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night And you tell me that you're pleased and that i never alive Bye. I am. Calling, deep but still, is it calling, still? Is So good, so I good, so good, so good, so oh, so good, so good, so so good, 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 so 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 good, so 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 good, so so good, You cover us. You protect us. There's all kind of things going on in the world. Sickness, hate, division. But not here, not with you, Lord. All of those things go away. And when you show up, there's nothing but love nothing but goodness, kindness, and mercy. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have invited us into your family and you have surrounded us with your angels and that we are privileged, privileged to be called your child. Thank you for being so good, so good, so good. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We interrupt this moment for a very important message. Has your heart been broken by a player? Here at Church Experience, we won't break your heart. You might have thrown an incomplete pass. Incomplete! No flag with the contact. We will catch your pass at CE. Don't let a referee shatter your heart. End of the game. The game is over. Here at Church Experience, we won't shatter your heart. If your team lost at home, then that team is stunned. Don't worry, you were home here at CE. Church Experience. A name you can trust.
2: My dad could fix anything. He really could. I I literally mean anything. And when I was a kid, he began to understand how important it would be for me to be able to fix anything. And so, at a really, really Really young age, probably I'm guessing I was about four years of age when, when he handed me the hammer the first time. I got my nail pouch on. Some of you may be thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. A little trendy kind of a black and white photo. No, that's because color had not been invented yet. So uh, this really is, I, I mean, I am old. And I'm, I'm so grateful for what my dad taught me about how to fix things, how to remodel things. And I love this series called Fixer Upper because it not only reminds me of the things that he taught me about how to repair and remodel a home, but also the things that he taught me about how to repair and remodel a house. And the home is really about relationships, right? The house is, is real estate. And so we really need both of those things. But in this series, Brandon has asked me to kind of talk a little bit about something really, really important. And that is the relationship room as it relates to the kids' room the kids' room. And so today we're going to talk about parenting, and there's a passage of Scripture that I think kind of brings together the things that that I feel like God has kind of put on my heart. It's a great remodel, repair Scripture, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 24. So take your Bibles or turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 24, verse 3, and it says this, It takes wisdom to build a home, and it takes understanding to make it strong, and it takes knowledge to fill its rooms with rare and beautiful treasures. Now, take a look at three words here. Uh, It takes wisdom, it takes understanding, and it takes knowledge. In other words, you need to know some things in order to do the right things, right? So the the, the writer is saying here, first of all, you need to know some things. And and then look at some other words. uh, So that you can build, so that you can make, and so that you can fill. So it's not enough to know, but you need to be able to, to do some things as well. And I want us, for our time today to kind of focus in on this last part of this verse where it says, fill its rooms with rare and beautiful treasures. Fill its rooms with rare and beautiful treasures. What exactly does that mean? And what are these rare and beautiful treasures? And some of you may be thinking, I know what rare and beautiful treasures are and how to fill a room. You're talking about TJ Maxx and Marshall. No, I'm not talking about bargains. I'm talking about treasures talking about things that are priceless. So so let's let's look today at, at at what I would say are three treasures that that we ought to be adding to the the rooms and specifically specifically kids rooms as as we parent them, as we love them, as we as we lead them. So let's look at these three treasures. Number one is what I would call the treasure of faith, the treasure of faith. And this is really really Important, so important that you know how you have a to-do list and you can start at number one or you can start at number five or you can start at number 12 and it really doesn't matter? Well, this to-do list, this happens to be at the top. If you're doing remodeling or you're doing repairing, sometimes there's one thing that you need to fix first before you move on to something else. And just to, just to kind of give a little test, I want to see how good you guys might be at answering this. Which one of these particular jobs should we start with first? Uh, if there's a hole in the roof or a bad light bulb, which one would you start with? Of course, a a hole in the roof. Everybody got that one. Okay, if there's a clogged toilet or a creaky door, which one should you fix the the, the clogged toilet? Of course, right? If there's a broken window or a broken coffee maker, which one, coffee maker, of course. Right, right, we're on the same page. Well, you you get it, right? There are some things that when you remodel, when you repair, when you're doing a fixer-upper, that you have to start with first. And scripture is very clear about this. When we are talking about our lives, when we are talking about our relationships, when we are talking about God, this is where we start. We need a treasure, we need a treasure of faith. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added Unto you. So I want to use as kind of our prop uh, the treasure that we're going to add to this room, if you will, to, to bring into this room is, is, obviously, is obviously God's Word. I mean, that's, that's so important for our kids to understand and our kids to begin to read and for that to change their, their lives. In fact, as a parent, our greatest concern should be that our children love God above all else. That's it. Our number one concern should be that they love God above all else. And so maybe some of you would say, well, how do we do that? How do we we create this treasure of faith in this relationship room, specifically in the kids' room as a parent? How how do we do that? Well, first of all, we we talk about God. We talk about God. If we we want them to know about God, we've got to talk about God. And so if we're going to talk about God, we have to know about God. And we need to know God ourselves. Deuteronomy 6 says, These commandments, talking about God's commands, His plans, His purposes, His will, I give to you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, look at this. They're to be on your hearts. Parents, before you can pass on faith to your children, that faith has to be in your heart. And the Bible's very clear. The writer says, look, it's got to start with you, it's got to be on your hearts. And then the the verse goes on to say, "Impress them on your children." So it's on your heart now. You're to pass those on to your children. But even what's interesting about this word is that the Hebrew word is shaknan, okay, and it means it means something really interesting. It's not just about giving God's word. It's not just about passing on faith. Th- this word is actually a word for piercing. In other words, as as parents, our job is to help create an opening in our kids' hearts and in their lives, create space for God. One of our responsibilities is as we talk to them about God is to, is to impress on them the importance, help them to understand how bad they need the Lord so that their hearts become open and His truth can truly pierce our hearts. And then when do we do that? Well, we talk about them when you sit down, when you're at home, when you're walking around on the road, when you lie down, and, and when you get up. Basically, the writer is saying all throughout the day, there should be God conversations. They shouldn't feel forced. When questions come up, when when, when something happens in a relationship, when when you're driving down the road and you see something, a a conversation could easily be brought up about who God is and about what he wants and what his will is and what his plans are. That's how we're doing it. Timothy is is a great example of a parent who was able to pass on their faith We know that Paul wrote many of the letters, about half of the letters in the New Testament. And they were letters to churches. They were letters, in this case, to a young man that he was mentoring. In fact, that he calls his own son. Even though he wasn't his biological son, he was mentoring him. And Timothy has a great legacy. And he got two letters from Paul. And I just want to look at a couple things here that he said. But as for you, talking to Timothy, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and you've become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, those who... What? You can trust this because it came, if you read a couple of verses before this, you'll find that it came from his mom and his grandmother. They're the ones that taught him about the scriptures, taught him about the Lord. And how from infancy? Infancy? Yeah, infancy. Just a little, a little baby. You have known the holy scriptures, and that's really important. Again, to remind all of us as parents, this is something that we need to do at a very early age. This isn't something that we wait for until they're ten or until they're a teenager. This is something that starts really, really early. Known the holy scriptures, and then and then look at this. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why we want to pass on the treasure of faith. We want to get people, get kids in the word, which are able to make you wise. These holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means that as we teach our kids God's word, they begin to understand who God is and the plans and the purposes that he has for them. And God begins to, God begins to bring to light the fact that he loves them, the fact that he died for them, the fact that their lives can be changed forever. And how do they do that? They, they do that by parents talking to them about God, talk to them about God. The second thing that we do, we should do as parents is, is go to church right? Or or if we're going to talk to them about God, we need to take them to church. And I think sometimes we get this kind of mixed up because we think, well, well, church is really the place where they should learn about God. No, the, Home is where they should learn about God. Church is where that should be supported and they should hear it again and again and again. But really, our responsibility first is to teach them about God, but bring them to church. The Bible says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. This is not just for adults. This passage doesn't just say for adults. This is for everybody. On toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Church is really, really important. And I would encourage you guys as parents to to bring your kids to church. A lot of times when we have this conversation with parents and how important church is, I get this question. And it's a big question, it's an important question. Should I make my children go to church? Or should I force my kids to go to church? The short answer is yes, you should. You should, it's it's, it's that important. maybe a better way to look at it is just kind of thinking of it this way. If you love your kids, if you believe church is important, if you believe God thinks it's important, if you believe God is important, if you make them eat vegetables and go to school, then why would you not make them go to church? That's where they're going to hear about God again after you've talked to them about it at home. Maybe a better question to ask is not, should I make my kids go to church? But why don't they want to go to church? What, what would be their hesitation? What is going on that would, that would keep them from going to a place that would, that would make all the difference in their lives? Well, m- maybe it's because of bullying. Bullying has always been a big deal, but it seems to be even a bigger deal in today's society. But maybe there's somebody at church that's saying something or doing something to them that makes them feel uncomfortable. Ask, ask your children that. What, what is it that you don't like about church? What is it that, that scares you about? What is it that you, why are you pushing back from it? Maybe it's bullying. Maybe um. Maybe it's boring. I don't think that could be the case here at Church Experience at all because they have an amazing ministry team a kids experience and teen experience, student experience. And, and so I, I don't think this is the issue, but it, it, it can be from time to time. Maybe if you're plugged into another church somewhere, it can be boring. And, and I would just say this. I think that it's a sin to bore kids with the gospel. Actually, I actually think it's a sin to bore anybody with the gospel because there's so many good things, so many exciting things about serving God that, that, that it should not be kind of mediocre or mundane as it's presented, right? So if, if that's the case, then see if there's a way that you can kind of amp it up a little bit. Have, maybe you need to be involved. Maybe you could help out a little bit to make it less boring. Um, maybe one of the reasons they don't want to go to church is because they're buddyless. Maybe they've just begun, and, and they really don't know any of the kids. They don't know any of the teens here at church, and, and they, feel, they feel left out. One of the things that when we were raising our two daughters, whenever we wanted to get them involved in something, and, and they would push back on this, and they'd say, well, I don't know anybody. We'd say, why don't you bring somebody you do know? Why don't you call up so-and-so, ask her, ask him, and just bring them along with it? And a lot of times, that would be the answer that they were looking for. They just did not want to be alone, and they did not want to go alone. So sometimes the reason is just because they're buddyless. Now, I don't really think this is a word, but I kind of put it together. So we're going to do our best at, at explaining it. But I think another reason why they don't want to go to church is because it's bribeless. Okay. Sometimes there's just this demand by parents to say, "Well, you're going to church, whether you like it or not." And there's kind of this this communication, which which I don't think really helps at all. Uh, but that, that's kind of the the process of it. If if you are trying to get your kids to eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts do you you think that it would you know how good those are for you they're not necessarily good to eat but they're good for you so 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 think of this you're in the kitchen you're trying to get them to eat that and and you think to yourself you know what i want them to i want them to eat this i know it's good for them but how how could i get them to do and so you think to yourself hey you know what we've got some cheese we got a little milk you go over you put it on the stove you and you create this delicious creamy cheese sauce and you come over and you pour it over top of those vegetables and it makes it a lot better. A lot better. Sometimes there's conversations that ought to happen between parents and kids because you know you know that church is a place they ought to be. And if they're pushing back, maybe there's a conversation to negotiate a little bit. I'm not talking about letting your guard down. I'm not talking about being weak as a parent. I'm talking about finding a way to get them to some place that will really, really help them eternally. Like, hey, We'll stop and get donuts on the way to church, or hey, after church we'll do what you want to do. Any anything to 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 motivate them to get here, because we know that once they're here, there's a potential, the possibility of their lives being changed forever. What I've done is on phillewis.org/parenting. Um, I put some some resources for you to check out and that will give you some encouragement give you some help with this whole treasure of of faith how to talk to your kids about the lord uh, some devotionals that are available that you can get through Amazon uh, that'll help you a lot and make use of that resource it's just one specific page for this message that hopefully will give you some of the things that you might be in need of the second treasure that i think that we need to we need to be involved in as far as bringing into this room bringing into our kids lives is the treasure of Treasury of finances. And I, I have it kind of as a, the prop, if you will, a Dave Ramsey bank. And it's divided into three sections uh, for spend, save, and give. So we're going to put that over here and just kind of talk a little bit about what I mean by the treasurer of finances. You may be wondering, what we, so let me get this straight. So Uh, I get the faith part, but the finances part, really? You know, that's such a big deal. That's one of the three things that you chose to talk to us about. Yeah, it is. It is. Because, Because it's one of the things that Jesus talked a lot about. In fact, he spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. That's a pretty big deal. If Jesus is spending so much time there, maybe we should. And maybe you don't know this or not, but when I work with couples and I work with families, guess what is in the top three big problems that every couple face? Finances. So what if we as parents did this thing a little bit better and we gave our kids the treasure of finances, helped them to understand at an early age how to get this thing right so that as they found that special person, they got married, had their own families, that could drop off of that list, right? He talked more about it than heaven and hell. And 11 of the 39 parables that he tells, they're all about finances. They're all about finances. Now, John Wesley had a quote, the founder of the United Methodist, the Methodist Church and uh, the Wesleyan Church. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And at first glance, earn all you can, of course. Work hard, have a good work ethic. We wanna pass that on to our kids as well. Uh, give all you can, that makes sense. You know, Share, be generous, not just a, a tithe, but how else can you serve a God and serve the community? But save all you can, at, at, at first glance, kinda looks like, well, you just need to have a savings account where you just keep stocking money, just cut, piling it away. And that's not what John Wesley was saying. What he was saying was, save all you can. In other words, if you have the choice between buying something for $5 and buying something for $10, and they both do the same thing, buy the thing for $5 and take that other $5 and give it to somebody who needs it, or give it to the church. In other words, be frugal. This isn't about just stockpiling blessing, okay? My own dad, his kind of financial success principle and formula was really, really simple. It was 10, 10, 80. In other words, it, it, when he would give us a $100 bill, and the truth is, he, I don't think he ever gave us a $100 bill, but let's, let's make it a little bit more realistic. When he would give us a $10 bill, we would look at this $10 bill, and we would say, hey, thanks for the $8. Thanks for the $8. And we would say that because automatically he had trained us to know that 10% goes to the Lord right off the top. 10% goes in a savings account for emergencies, for other things that might come up. And, and then we live on 80%. And whenever we can, whenever we can put some of that 80% into savings, or some of that 80% even give to the Lord, we, we should do that as well. But that was that was his principle. 10, 10, 10. And it's a good principle. It's a good principle to share with kids and help them to develop some kind of giving because we want to make sure if we're raising Christian kids that they are giving to the Lord because of this. Bring the full tithe, and I think it's interesting how this is phrased, the full tithe. It's not just the tithe, which represents 10%, but it's saying the full tithe. Quick, trying to, is it 9%, is it 8%, is it, what if it's 9.9%? <laughs> Malachi says, look, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In other words, God is saying, give me the 10% and watch what I do with that. Watch how I take care of your needs. Scripture goes on to say in Proverbs 21, it says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours. And in other words, a wise man is going to work hard. A wise man is going to protect his money. A wise man is going to invest his money. A wise, money is gonna, a wise man is gonna have money. He's not gonna just use it all up. And, and I guess one of the things that I hear all the time in churches is that, is that God wants us to not have a lot of stuff. God doesn't want us to be rich. And in fact, a lot of times you'll hear phrases like this. You'll, you'll, you'll hear a, a scripture verse that's been misquoted. And I just wanna say, money is not the root of all evil. It's not the root of all evil. In fact, when you read through the Bible, You read about Abraham and Solomon and David and so many other believers and followers of God, they were loaded. They worked hard and they were blessed, but they honored and sacrificed to the Lord. But for some reason, we've got this idea that money is really the root of all evil, and it's not, because Scripture says it's the love of money. It's the love of money. It's when it begins to possess possess us, and, and it's when we think about it, and it's when we put it first in our lives instead of the Lord. And look at this, for the love of money is the a, is a root of all evil. The love of money. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Guess who that was written to? It's written to Timothy. Remember, Paul is writing to Timothy, this young Christian who, who from infancy has been taught the Scriptures, and he's reminding him not only about the treasure of faith, but he's reminding him about the treasure of, of finances, helping him to understand this. Treasure of faith, treasure of finances, and then finally, the treasure of friends. Treasure of friends. This, I think, is really, really important as, as well. And I just want to offer to you three things that I think we ought to do as parents to, to help our kids w- do what I would call kind of fill the friend frames. Now, obviously I obviously have a, a photo frame here with three places that we can put pictures in it, and they're empty. They're empty. And so I, I want you just to think if you're a parent here today, and by the way, just, just so to, if, if you're not a parent here today, or if you're not a parent, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, it's okay. But I, I want you to know this if you're, if you're planning on being a parent, prepare to be a parent and understand that this is no joke. This is not just about making babies, this is about leading your children and loving your children. And if you're not ready to do that, don't have kids yet. Don't have kids. They, they need you. They need you to be ready. So the question is, what about the friends? What about the frames? Who, who, who are going to be the people that fill these frames in your kid's life? And I, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about how you can, how you can help them with that. Because I think there are some things that, that we can do to, to help our, our kids kind of win at this, this, friend, this friend thing. First of all, help them be a great friend. Help them be a great friend. Help them to develop personalities and character qualities that will draw good kids to them, to them. Uh, Andy Stanley says, he specifically talks about dating, but I think we can shift this over to to really this idea of, of, of friends. He said, are you becoming the person the person you are looking for is looking for? And if you want a friend, are you becoming the friend that the friend that you're looking for is looking for? In other words, if you're looking for a kind and compassionate And faithful friend, are you being kind and compassionate and faithful? Because I guarantee that's what they're going to be looking for. And if you help your child or your teen create that kind of of character in their lives, they're going to find people. They're going to be drawn to people like themselves. So help them be a great friend. My mom used to quote this all the time. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Must himself be friendly. Another thing uh, to fill the friend frames with faithful friends is to help them choose great friends. Help them to choose great friends. It's important to know that just because you move into a neighborhood and there's somebody that's about your same age and maybe even goes to your school that's your neighbor, that doesn't, you've got to listen close to this, that doesn't necessarily mean that they should be your friend. Okay? Just because you you see somebody that looks like you, that acts a little bit like you, that doesn't mean that they should be your friend. You need to choose your friends. You need to decide who's going to have influence in your life, and as parents, you need to help your kids make those wise those wise choices, and at the same time, helping them to choose friends, and at the same time, to be able to know when to lose friends. A friend that's been a friend for a year or two or three, and maybe they grew up, And then all of a sudden that friend starts going the wrong direction. And that confusion, that heartache of trying to decide, what do I do? This has been my friend my whole life, but they're going the wrong way. And helping them, encouraging them to know that sometimes it's not just about choosing friends, but it's about losing friends as well. Because Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, the people who are in proximity to us are going to have the most influence on us. So make sure as parents you help your kids get around the right kids. And then finally, as it relates to the friend frames, there's probably going to be a girlfriend or boyfriend in one of those pictures. And you as parents need to help your child, your teens, as they move through life, as they come to a place where they can begin to start dating, to help them to choose a mate. Help them to choose a mate. My dad was real adamant in teaching us, don't date who you wouldn't mate. Don't date who you wouldn't mate. And I remember telling him, well, I'm just, we're just going out. We're just, you know, it's not really going anywhere. It's just kind of fun to be with. And he said, don't do it. Don't do it because there's a danger of proximity. Again, there's a danger of being with someone long enough that you connect and you should not have connected with them. And so the first question when you begin uh, to talk to your, your, your kids and your, your teens especially about dating is to encourage them, date somebody that you think could possibly be a mate. So if you're a Christian student, you shouldn't date a non-Christian. Simple as that. In this whole idea of looking for some faithful friends to fill these frames, again, if there's a girlfriend or a boyfriend, parents, I want to encourage you, 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 you need to be able to have the talk, okay? And I always thought it was kind of funny to, to, to phrase it that way, the talk, the sex talk. Like, like it's going to be a talk. Like there's going to be a PowerPoint presentation and you're going to be able to spend an hour together, explain it all, and then it's done. And everything. No, no, no. This is more of having a conversation. When our girls were growing up, I was a youth pastor, and so as little girls, they would hang out with some of the students, the teens in our youth ministry, and they would come home uh, with us at night and they would use certain words or certain phrases or they'd ask us questions. And we're like, where did you hear that from? And we forgot. They were listening to some conversations that teenagers were having. And so we would begin to answer their questions Even at a young age, maybe for some people it was too young, but they were asking the question, so we wanted to give the answer. We didn't answer everything. We just continued the conversation, and we made them feel comfortable, and we tried to feel as comfortable as we could helping them to navigate those questions. And here's the truth. You should be the first and best resource for teaching your kids about sex. So you need to know where you stand on sex, what you believe, how God created it, why he created it what it's all about so that you can pass that information on to your kids. And again, I know this is a tough subject. I talk all the time with parents who are struggling about what do I say, how do I say it, when do I say it. And again, great resource called the Sex Talk that was put together by Winning at Home uh, that's available on Phil Lewis slash parenting, again, on that resource page. So I want to encourage you to go there. So as I wrap things up, I, I want to just share with you what I would call some treasure hunting tips. If we're going to get the treasure of faith and the treasure of finances and the treasure of the right friends in this room, okay? If we're going to fill this room with rare and beautiful treasures, then I want to just give you some treasure hunting tips, if you will. Number one, start parenting early. Start parent. In fact, start parenting before you are a parent. Start learning. Start reading. Start taking notes. Uh, Work with the youth ministry. Work with the children's ministry so that you can begin to see how parents interact and how kids interact with their parents and take notes on on what's happening there. Uh, Be the example. Be the example. I I want you to know something. You are going to be the example. Your your kids are going to watch you. Parents, they're going to look at how you love and how you live and how you go to church and what priorities you put in uh, on life. So you're going to be the example. Here's the truth. We most of the things that we do are things that we've seen. So understanding that, just, just make sure that you're doing the right things so that what they see can be duplicated in their lives. This was a, a Facebook post from a question that I I'd, I'd posted a couple weeks ago, and I simply, I simply asked, hey, we're all kids, and at this age, what are one or two things that as you look back on the things that your mom and dad taught you that, that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for? That, that really made a difference in your life. And, and Brooke says this, my parents had a great marriage, and I could tell they were into each other, and I picked up on the flirtation, and it was great. And in parentheses, she said, I could go into more detail, but I'll spare you, which I'm, I'm grateful for. She said, I grew up wanting what they had. I knew it was possible, and I knew it was real. And I knew it was worth waiting for. That's one of my favorite gifts that they've given me. Parents, listen, listen, you are going to be the example, so be a great example. Be a great example to them. Uh, Be persistently consistent. Be persistently consistent. Now, when I first put this line, I I thought, well, I think those words are really the same, but they're very, very different. Persistent is continuing to do something despite difficulties and challenges. Consistent means behaving or acting the same way or doing something the same way over and over and over again. Okay? In other words, when you're consistent as a parent, you're doing things that you should do. You're leading your kids in the right way, and you're doing it on a regular basis. It's not sporadic. It's not confusing to them. You're doing it consistently. The persistent part comes is it's easy to be consistent when your kids are listening, and your kids are learning, and your kids are doing what you want. But what what about when everything falls apart? Are you being persistently consistent so that you know what's right to do, and you do it no matter what the pushback is? Maybe another way of saying it is be unrelenting in your reliability, unrelenting in your reliability. Be the parent. Be the parent. You want them to be the kid. They're growing up. And you be the parent. Sometimes I've probably been guilty of this. I've acted more like the kid than the parent from time to time. But I just want to, again, I want to encourage you. You're not the kid. So don't act like the kid. If your kid uh, throws tantrums, that doesn't give you a right to do it. Your kid says something mean to you, doesn't give you a right to You are the parent, so be the parent. Sometimes when we get in those situations where we're trying to be persistently consistent and we get pushback and we get frustrated and we get mad, and we don't know what to do. And I would say to you, one of the things that may be helpful to you is just stop, pause, and pray. And say, God... Help me to know what a great parent would do. What, what would a great parent do in this situation? I've been asked this question. I've been given this pushback. Uh, I, we're, 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 we're in this really tough time of communication. What would a great parent do? And maybe if you know a great parent, reach out to them by phone. But if you don't, just literally picture in your mind, would, you, would a great parent say yes or would a great parent say no? And sometimes that might help you to come up with an answer. Here's another one. Eat dinner together. It might seem a little misplaced in this list, but I want to encourage you. I think this is one of the most important things that you can possibly do as a family to create family health and communication. It may sound overly simplified, but it is very, 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 very powerful. And I know this not just from the research that I've I've looked at, but I know this from my personal my personal life. Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I we've been living in our house for about 20 years, and we decided, hey. We're probably going to stay here, so we want to kind of make it uh, updated and kind of this fixer-upper idea. We literally went through and we gutted a four-bedroom, two-bath house, and we started working on it. And once once we got it all done, we decided, hey, we'd like some new furniture too. So we, we decided that we would refurnish the house, and one thing that we replaced was our dining room table. And a dining room table that we replaced had, had been in our family about 25 years. Our, our girls had grown up around it, and we had been intentional about having dinner time together. Both Mindy and I, my wife and I, had grown up in families where dinner time was a really, really important, important time. And so because of that, we carried down, and not really knowing how powerful it was. And so our daughters, we would eat, I don't think we ate dinner every single night of the week together, but a lot of them, and we would have conversations around that table, and we would talk around that table, we would cry around that table, we would answer questions of our girls, they would answer questions for us. And it was such, it was such a precious, such a precious place and such a precious table that when I got rid of the table, I took one of the leaves out of the table and actually cut ornaments for my kids and, and, and for us as a family that are in the shape of a house from that table because that tabletop had heard those conversations. That tabletop had heard us pray. That tabletop, that tabletop had been a part of us connecting and staying connected as a family. And I, I would just say to you, there is tons of research on this. And I'll just say one thing, one thing about dinner time together that will, it will bring more self-esteem to your children than almost anything else you can do. I know that sounds crazy, but the research is there. It tells us that just having dinner time together, getting a, a, a time where you sit down as a family and you talk and you listen to each other and you eat food, not only is it going to be something that you can have better meals and healthier meals and help them physically, but it's going to help them mentally and spiritually. And again, to give you a little bit of proof of this, the dining room will affect every room. The dining room will affect every room. And I've included on this website, uh, again, a, a, a link to a place that will tell you about seven different things that that will impact your children by simply having dinner together. And then finally, parents, I just want to say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. I I know it's hard. It was hard on us. But we're so glad that we had the opportunity to be parents, and we're so glad that we had the opportunity to, to, to fill their rooms, fill their lives, fill their hearts with the treasure of faith, the treasure of finances, and the treasure of friends. And if you're here and you're tired, you're wore out, you're trying to say persistently consistent, but I just want you to know you can do it. God loves you. God cares about you. And I just want to, I want to pray for you as I wrap up this time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for being the greatest parent of all. Thank you for reminding us that it, it takes wisdom to build a home. It takes understanding to make it strong, and it takes knowledge to fill its rooms with rare and beautiful treasures. And I pray for every parent that's here today. I pray that you would encourage them, I pray that you would help them to hang in there, to love their kids, and to lead their kids. I pray that as parents, they would draw close to you, and that you would fill them with your power and your strength to do what you've allowed them to do. And that's raise kids. Raise kids that love you and serve you and live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Church Experience. We'd love to hear what you thought about today's service. Head over to churchexperience.tv connect. Bring your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. Love to hear from you. Love to get back to you. And of course, we'd love to be praying for you. If you want some more Church Experience content throughout your week, follow us on our social media platforms, our Facebook, our Instagram. Head over to our Church Experience website as well as download the CE app. We hope to see each and every one of you for week three of Fixer Upper. But until then, we'll see you.